the Bible. It's the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. This sacred book is living and active and contains all that's needed for life and godliness. Stay with American Family Radio for the next hour as we study God's Word and take your Bible questions. Welcome to Exploring the Word. Well, good afternoon. I'm Jim Stanley, and today I'm in for Dr. Alex McFarland. He is one of many people who has been not dislocated, but probably held up That's a little word. bit. That is um, the word, Jim. He was in Texas. He had a great trip out in Texas, visiting with Dr. Jeffries, their right. First Baptist Church, and them having a special program. And he got back to Charlotte, but he couldn't get any further than that. They have, I know he said, his wife Angie said they had a five-inch snow there yeah, and some ice with it. So, uh, But he is safe, but not home yet. There you go. Well, and I think uh, the it was something like 1,200 flights were delayed or canceled just yesterday. That's what I and heard. So Millions I of people without electricity. That's right. Uh, I, this this global warming is tough. I, well, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and I don't mean to make light of it because I know we have some Christian believers who think that climate warming is real, climate change is real. Um, and it's true. The climate is changing. It has, it has <clears throat> always changed. And that, you know, I was reading something today from Mr. Musk, uh, Elon Musk, and he says that uh, humanity is and every other species on Earth will be exterminated. He didn't say when. He just said that we've been causing it. And he said, and I think there was something like seven of them, and one of them was from, you know, the meteorite, and then another one was from, uh, the ice age and, uh, and, and then he said in subsequent ice ages, but yet this is all brand new, yep. all of the things that we're seeing. And so, uh, it is cyclomatic. In well, fact, I can see. remember when I was probably 10, maybe, maybe eight to 10 years old. And I can remember us having snow and stuff here in, in while I was in South Mississippi then. Man, when I was three or four years old, it got up to my knees. Right. <laughs> well, we're going to stop there. Uh, yes, enough and, is enough. And we're going to get to But the, let me quote a scripture. Okay. Nothing new under the sun. That's I was thinking that same okay, thing. Okay, yeah. Uh, we better get to the scripture. Yeah, we? we better. Let's get to the smart part of the program, and that's because we're using the Word of God. Amen. Proverbs chapter 11, and uh, we're getting close to the middle of it, 31 chapters. Let me just suggest Again, especially if you're seeking answers, spend time in the book of Proverbs, uh, one a day for 31, like the month of January. Uh, and you can start today, like today is the 17th. Start with Proverbs 17 after we study 11. Read it through. Uh, I found out, uh, Jim, reading a proverb a day and two or three Psalms a day during periods of time of, of, I would say, of severe questioning and wondering where you're supposed to go and do, it really does help. The Psalms expresses your heart toward mm -hmm. God, and Proverbs is the wisdom that Solomon got received from God, along with some other writers there. But it, it does help. Oh, I, absolutely. I, it has me. That's, and especially when we get into passages like today, you know, it, it, there, is some, there is an outline here that just lays it out, you know, perfectly, if you will. And in verse 1, it says, Dishonest scales are an abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is his delight. Now, let me clarify. 
We're not talking about the bathroom scales. All right. We're not saying that they are an abomination, although they are to my wife. You know, she's, she's severely impacted by that. But it actually means a true measurement. You know, it means a true measurement of man, a true measurement of what's going on in his heart. And so that's why it's a business. Says, yeah. Business, being honest. I heard this story. I loved it. There's this lady came into a butcher years and years ago when they had butcher shops and she wanted a four pound chicken that was courted. And the butcher got out and just had one chicken. It was three pounds. And she said, no, I want a four pound. He said, well, let me go back here in the back and see what I can get. So he took that chicken back, brought the same chicken back and he put it on the scales. And with his little finger, he pressed it down and he said, well, here's your four-pound chicken. Right. And he thought he had made his sale undercover. And the lady said, well, since you've been so helpful, I'll take both chickens. Uh, <laughs> you know, it, it, the truth will be found right. out sooner or later, sometimes sooner, and it's really embarrassing. So be honest in your dealings. Well, and, you know, thinking again to, to adjust scale, when you go to a butcher now or you go to the seafood market in your grocery store, most of the time, they'll put the empty tray on the scale first, and then they'll zero out the scale. And when they take it off, after they get your precise, you know, what you wanted and everything, and they pull that off, you still see that there's a, a negative weight there. And that's what they call the tear weight, and T-A-R-E. And so that's how you know the scale is true, and the thumb We'll get you in trouble. So, <laughs> but it does on. show honest business dealings. Absolutely. And this is what uh, Solomon deals with. He does such a good job. He deals with society as a whole, from family to business to government. We're going to get into a city later on. So this wisdom, Jim, covers every area mm-hmm. of life. When pride comes, then comes shame. But with the humble is wisdom. The integrity of the upright will guide them. But the perversity of the unfaithful will destroy them. Riches do not profit in the day of wrath, but righteousness delivers from death. The righteous righteousness of the blameless will direct his way right, but the wicked will fall by his own wickedness. The righteousness of the upright will deliver them, but the unfaithful will be caught by their lust. And, you know, when you think about the business dealings as you were just talking about, a lot of times that's what it is. It's not it's not necessarily a lust of the heart after someone else, as we see, you know, where we talk about lust being a, a step for adultery. In the New Testament, when Jesus talks about that, this is almost a lust or covetousness for what someone else has, and you want to deprive them of that in a bad business deal. For example, you have a gold mine, but that gold mine has played out and you'll take and you'll get some of the gold and rough it up and you'll throw it at the uh, entrance to the mine. And so when the next person comes and they see that, they buy a salted mine from a corrupt businessman. And so they go in then after they have paid the price the person wants and they go in and they start gathering all that up. And then when they get to the back, they see that it's played out. That's why smart, smart businessmen Start in the back and go to the rock and see what's left in the rock. Amen. Good good advice. Verse 4, if you were to take it out standing by itself, mm-hmm. I think has two thoughts. One, it, I could not help but think of Matthew 16, 26, 
what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Yeah. Which brings up salvation. Notice what this is. Again, this is not salvation, but you can't help but see how it works concerning our salvation. Riches do not profit in the day of wrath. When that day of judgment comes, what good is your riches? Mm -hmm. It is none. But what is it? It's righteousness. It's being right with God. When you're right with God, it gives peace, but it also gives wisdom. And, and that righteous wisdom is what we're talking about here in dealing with all this. But it says the wicked and the unfaithful, their their judgments are going to be off-colored. Yeah. They're, they're not going to be right. They're going to be twisted. Right. And uh, their measurement is a twisted stick mm-hmm. rather than the standard of the Word of God. Amen. And so the Word of God is our standard concerning wisdom and salvation. Absolutely. And, and it's not something that we can de- that we can do ourselves. We can't manipulate it. Nope. We cannot. The balance of our scales took place on Calvary. Amen. I'm, and that's, hey, I was just, found I was found guilty and found wanting, but praise the Lord, Jesus Amen. came along. Amen. Verse 7, when a wicked man dies, his expectation will perish, and the hope of the unjust perishes. The righteous is delivered from trouble, and it comes to the wicked instead. The hypocrite with his mouth destroys his neighbor, but through knowledge the righteous will be delivered. When it goes well with the righteous, the city rejoices. And when the wicked perish, there is jubilation. Now, Bert, break that out for us a little bit. Well, notice what he does. He moves from businesses, mm-hmm. what he's talking about. Then he talks to individual standing. But here, city is letting you know it's talking about a society. Mm-hmm. And so put that in a group of people. Uh, when a group of people live in close proximity together, the way they would in Jerusalem, the way they would anywhere, when the righteous are in charge, it goes well. When the unrighteous is wickedness is there and they die, they're shouting because they know it's over. I, I could not help but think of what's taking place in our world, in mm. our cities today. And, and Chicago is is kind of the centerpiece of it. You know what's happening with the pastor. I don't know if you've been keeping right. up with him yeah. sitting there. And he's saying we've got to do something about the wickedness, the crime in our city. And the leadership of that city is oblivious to it. And they're living their lives, going ahead and doing what they're wanting to do. And lives are being, lives are being taken every day, especially on the weekends. And so we need righteousness uh, you know, if the foundations be destroyed, what will the righteous do? Mm-hmm. Well, righteousness and foundations feed one another. Uh, when I'm right with God as best I can, and I go to his word for wisdom, out of that comes right leadership. Out of that comes right decisions. But when I don't do that, I'm left to my own scales. I'm left to my own thoughts. Mm-hmm. And the end thereof are the ways of death. The Bible says, the book of Proverbs says, there's a way that seems right to a man, but the ends thereof are the ways of death. So man without God's intervention, man without God interceding for us, brings down a downward spiral to a society, to a family, or to a life. Amen. That's good stuff. Um, and now, one prayer. more thing you'd say that. Notice how many times it mentions cities. It mentions in verse 10 and then verse 11, by the blessing of that right, the city is exalted. Right. So 
you see what Solomon is doing. He's really pouring it on concerning from the ground up and the big deal. The pastor in Chicago, in, in he's talking about in the south side of Chicago where it's the worst, he said 80% of the fathers are gone out of those homes. Right. Fatherlessness is such a rage today, and it is hurting. And it starts back here with the integrity of an individual. Right. If the man does not have that integrity, then there's going to be unrighteousness and wickedness rule. Well, and I was going to say one thing about the pastor while attention is being drawn to him, he's turning that attention to the Lord. He does, brother. He and, preaches. I, and, and he says the Lord's the only one that can change this. And uh, the church that he's pastor at, it's incredible. But one of the things I was going to say is be in prayer for that pastor right now because he may have a heater, but it's still cold. And it's a tent up there. I saw, man, that that tent can't hold out a lot of the cold right. or the wind. Yeah. So. Just be in prayer for him and the team that's supporting him uh, because I th- he is drawing attention to where it needs to be drawn. And at some point, one has to hope that the leadership of that city will come to a knowledge of Christ and yield to him. You know, we, we quote. Acts, Not to the pastor, but right. to God. Amen. Acts 1-8, starting in Jerusalem mm-hmm. and then Judea and then Samaria and the uttermost parts. Notice what it does. We say it talk, It starts locally, but honestly, you can interpret it, it starts with the bigger cities. Right. The, like uh, Illinois, Chicago dominates. Like New York State, New York City dominates. So we need to look at praying for these yeah, cities. And, absolutely. And, I mean, we who are in rural, you know, area. And we're not exempt from it. We're it's not, starting to spill not. over. It is. All right, folks, we appreciate you being with us. We're in Chapter 11 of the Book of Proverbs, and we'll continue with more as Exploring the Word continues on AFR. This is Pause to Pray, a chance each day to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today we pray for Thomas J. Walters, Director of the Federal Law Enforcement Training Centers. Mr. Walters helps move forward the department's mission of working to train those who protect our homeland. Hebrews 13.6 reminds us of God's protection. So we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper, I will not fear. What can man do to me? Right now with this in mind, would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we ask for guidance for Thomas J. Walters as he works to protect our people and our country. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is the service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team. Get your 2022 prayer guide and make this the year of prayer. Available now at pausetopray.org. The COVID-19 crisis has been and continues to be a monumental tragedy. But Dr. Tony Evans says God can use even something this bad for good. He'll tell us how as we spend two minutes with Tony. All of these pandemics we have been going through, it is a corrective move of God. He's uprooted the financial. He's uprooted the medical. He's uprooted the social. He's uprooted the racial. And what God is doing first and foremost in the church is creating discomfort, closing the buildings, reshaping the ministry, 
Because he is saying, American church, you're too American than Christian. You're too secular than saved. You love money more than you love me. We got buildings. We got stuff. But the danger is to think that you're okay because the stuff looks good. God has let us know that I can turn stuff upside down. We are in a divine discipline. And yes, it's in the culture, but he's talking to the church because the job of the church is to affect the culture. What he says is, I am disrupting you for a reset. You got to go in another direction. You have to change your priorities. You've got to make the spiritual more important than the physical, the sacred more important than the secular. If you're ready to give your faith a fresh start, check out Dr. Evans' CD series, Divine Reset, available online at TonyEvans.org. Then join us next time for Two Minutes with Tony. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled, but in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revow your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. 1 Peter 3, 14 through 16. American Family Radio. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. Somehow you see through my heart And you welcome me with open arms Just as I am In the good and the bad You still understand Hi, I'm Jim Stanley in for Dr. Alex McFarlane alongside my good friend, Brother Bert Harper. And Bert, I can imagine congregations all over the country singing just as I am yesterday, but I'm guessing they didn't sing it like that. <laughs> I love that, man. I what my Everybody wants to know your favorite music. You right. Know? I always joke, say Christmas music, but taking older hymns that have the theology that is so strong and putting a little tweak to them with a... Uh, you know, a new connector, a little bit different message rhythm. Right. It really registers with me. And honestly, that's not conviction. That's preference. Yeah. Don't make your preferences convictions in those areas. Just right. uh, enjoy it. But I, I do love taking those older songs and and putting a little tweak to them. It really it blesses me. I'll put it that well, way. Well, it refreshes it. I, I think that's a good word. Well, we're in uh, the 11th chapter of Proverbs, as we mentioned, and Bert just read uh, verse 11. And so at verse 12, uh, we want to go back because, but the, by the blessing of the upright, the city is exalted, but it is overthrown by the mouth of the wicked. goes back to what we were talking about exactly. there. And then he who is devoid of wisdom despises his neighbor, but a man, man of understanding holds his peace. A talebearer reveals secrets secrets, but he who is of a faithful spirit conceals a matter. This is one of the major problems, I believe, with the church today, is there's not an element of trust. You know, the, the New Testament encourages us to share our burdens with one another. 
but we're not very likely to share our burdens, even with a prayer group, because then that becomes the gossip of the church. And and this isn't every church. Please hear my heart. I'm not, you know, I'm not knocking them all down with one shovel. It just takes one experience, though, to get you gun shy. <laughs> That's right. And so, unfortunately, sometimes it's even among pastors uh, where you'll go and, and ask the pastor to pray with you about something. And then the pastor caring about you shares it with a couple of friends and says, let's be in prayer with him about that. Well, then those friends tell a couple of other friends. And so the person, is, is, comes, someone approaches him on the next Sunday and says, hey, pastor told me about so-and-so. And the reaction is, well, you know, that wasn't his story to tell. And so uh, I, I think it's important that we, if someone comes to us, and it is a personal matter, and they ask it to keep it to ourselves, that we do that. Uh, we have to have that element of trust. And so uh, that's one of the things I think is missing, and I think that's one of the things that Proverbs is pointing out here. And it's not just the fact that, <clears throat> you know, a talebearer reveals secrets, but he who is a, of a faithful spirit conceals a matter. If someone's threatening to blow up the church, tell everybody. You know, especially the security team. That's not what I'm talking about here. I want to be it clear. It is not. And, Jim, you're right on. Let me just make two real quick statements. The biggest tail bearer in the world is Satan. Mm -hmm. And uh, most of the time he deals with a little truth and twists it. Right. Notice what he did with Jesus in the temptations. Mm -hmm. And Jesus knew how to handle him, and he handled him. Amen? That's right. And the other thing that I would say concerning uh, a tail bearer is don't be one. Right. I mean, I don't have to know everything about a matter for me to be a prayer warrior for you. Right. I mean, I, uh, I've been, I, I, this scripture means the world to me. I, I do my best to be confidential. Mm -hmm. Pastoring for 40 years, I said, Lord, help me to know how to keep a matter. Uh, uh, you know, you can get in trouble by keeping a matter as well if you, you got to right. have wisdom. But uh, listen, just pray for somebody. You don't have to know the details. Somebody comes up to you and says, uh, Jim, pray for Bert Harper. Well, you can pray for Bert Harper without knowing, well, what do I need to pray for That's him right. about? I doubt if that'll make your prayer any more specific or any better. Yeah. I, I really do because God knows how to make intercession and connect the dots with Absolutely. what Bert Harper needs, even if you don't know. When we don't know how to pray, the Holy Spirit, Praise on our behalf. Preach it, brother. Uh, and and the, and that's a confidence that we have. And so, you know, the unspoken prayer. Someone says, I have an unspoken prayer request. And the buzz is like, what's he hiding? Well, maybe it's something that's embarrassing to me. And I've gone before the Lord about it. And it may be a struggle, but it's still something I need prayer for. If it's unspoken, it goes back to the matter of trust that we talked about before. If it's unspoken, it may be just that. You know, there are things but in my life. But it's not unspoken to God. No, he so, knows. So I can pray That's for that right. brother or sister that asked for it without me knowing. I, I know I'm going to seed on that, Jim, but no, absolutely. Brother, I'm, uh, I'm I agree with you. With you. If, uh, there, there was, if, if you go to a meeting where there's uh, teenagers and they're in an addictive uh place where they're getting counseling uh there's if you go out 
and you even mention anything about who's there or what was said there, there's mm-hmm. a they quote there can be a five thousand dollar fine. Right. Uh, I thought that would be good in churches to do that. Amen. Wow. You know, don't 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 be a tail bear. Well, we're at verse fourteen, and I have been reading pretty steady. Would you like to read some? Yeah, verse fourteen. Where there is no counsel, the people fall, and in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. Uh, this word counselor has the idea of a helmsman, Jim. Mm-hmm. Like I'm the captain of the ship, but guess who? Somebody else may be at the wheel or at the helm, and and so you may be the in charge. You may be the senior pastor. You may be the dad. Uh, you may be the boss, but guess what? You better have some helmsmen, some counselors right. there that can help guide you. I tell folks all the time, man, the man needs to be the head of his home, but the wife is a pretty good neck. Right. She, she points us in the right direction, and that's true with Bert Harper. I can tell you that a lot with my wife, Jan, pointing Amen. me in the right direction. Thank God for it. Well, and, and you know, I think of that at a concert or a revival if you will, where the pastor has people come down to the front and says, the prayer team is here. If you'd like to come talk to someone. And part of that relies on the wisdom of that team member. And someone comes up to them and says, Hey, I need you to help me pray about this. Or, you know, what do I do about this? It may be that that prayer team member, it says, look, let's go talk to so-and-so. Right. Because they've dealt with this in their life. And it's not a it it's not a secret, but it's one of those things that if you go to someone, first of all, the person if they say yes or no, you have to go with that. But it, it, sometimes you want to take them to the pastor, and I think that's wisdom. I think that's a helmsman who says, "Look, I I can get us back in the middle of the channel, but man, I." There are stumps out I there. I need that some I, navigation. That's right. Uh, listen, one of the greatest things I learned in seminary was pastors learn know when to refer, mm-hmm. and uh, that's true with each person. Amen. Verse verse uh, 15, he who is surety for a stranger will suffer for it, but one who hates being surety is secure. Now, I want to read verse 16, and then I'm going to skip down and read verse 22 and then come back to that between. Now, listen to okay. this. A gracious woman retains honor. Stop. Go to the last part of verse 22. So a lovely woman who lacks discretion is like a ring of gold in a swine snout. Mm. What a comparison. Now, they're separated there, quite, you know, with these verses, 17 through 21. But the difference in a gracious woman retains honor. But a beautiful woman or it lacks discretion. Listen, you want that gracious Beauty is only, what, skin deep? Right. And um, pretty soon it wears off. But a gracious woman is is gracious. And what happens, that graciousness works its way from the inside to the outside. And uh, I, I, I was reading an example, uh, who, a, an example of a gracious woman without outstanding beauty. And uh, the example that was given was Queen Victoria, mm-hmm. who would rule, what, 60-plus years and it was called the Victorian Age, and she set a direction for a a whole country. And at that time, that country ruled a quarter of the world's population, you know. And she set that stage of virtue. Uh, You know, a gracious woman has great power. Yeah, absolutely. I I just, but those comparison is, I thought that was just pretty 
What about that? I want you to comment. What about a ring of gold in a wine snout? Does that make that well, pig look I, a lot the, better? The only thing, <laughs> I, in all honesty, the modern-day translation of that is you can put lipstick on a pig. <laughs> but it's still a pig. But it's still a pig. <laughs> and so I, the, the way it reads, as a ring of gold in a swine snout, so is a lovely woman who lacks discretion. She may be gorgeous. But if she can't hold her tongue, if she can't keep her mouth shut about things that need to be done. How to live. How to live. If she can't conduct herself in a manner of discretion, then she really does become equal because folks don't see the beauty anymore. They see the ugliness of the heart. And, you know, you, you'll meet folks like that from time to time. They're just maybe beautiful on the outside, but something inside is shriveled up and needs the new wine of the Lord to soften the heart. The whole the whole passage there about wicked men, merciful <laughs> men, deals with those things. In other words, it's honor and then dishonor. The mm-hmm. whole idea is you want to be a person of honor. Riches does not bring that, you know. It does not. Uh, beauty does not bring that. It's that righteousness inward of God changing a life that brings that graciousness to us that is worked out. So uh, verse 23, the desire of the righteous is only good, but the expectation of the wicked is wrath. I I just want to go back. If you look at these, every one of these has an eternal aspect of it, of life after death. If you want to be right with God, you better get right with God and live that way. If not, you're going to be ungracious. It's going to be be horrible. Notice verse 24. If, if that's all right, can I go on that far, let, Jim, or you got something else to say about another Let me just say verse? one thing. If you look back at verse, verse 1, and then you look at verse 20, notice a couple of things that are outright abominations to You're God. You're right. Thank you for noticing that. And I'd so that. dishonest scales are an abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is his delight. That's verse 11. And then there in verse 20, those who are of a perverse heart are an abomination to God, but the blameless in their ways are his delight. We never want to be an abomination before God. The cost for us was paid and was much too dear for us to be an abomination. Preach it, man. Amen. Thank you, Al. Uh, Jim. That, uh, that's that okay. Was, that was Alex, an Alex comment. I was going to say, Alex called me Bert most of last week. <laughs> so <laughs> We get used to it. Hey, verse 24, there is one who scatters yet increases more, and there is one who withholds more than is right, but it leads to poverty. A generous soul will be made rich, and he who waters will also be watered himself. Now, he, the people who curse him who withholds grain but blessing will be on the head of him who sells it. This gets into the area of commerce and farming. Mm-hmm. When you are being the sower of the seed, you better be generous. If you're scant on that, little will be reaped. Mm-hmm. And the whole idea here is that you be a generous. Look, I think the theme is verse 25. The generous soul will be made rich. Be generous. Uh, don't, don't look at stuff. What's the least amount of money we can pay somebody? Why not look at it? What is an, a reasonable and right. best amount that we can pay someone for a good job? And you know, don't don't be a cutthroat, right? And I also want to point out, if you don't mind, but a blessing will be on the head of him who sells it. Selling's not a bad thing. No, making a profit. Capitalism is good. Is not a bad thing. 
but being a, an extortionist exactly. or exorbitant becomes a bad thing. You got it. Jim, That this is what's great about this Proverb 11. Mm-hmm. I was uh, noticed it works with the individual. It goes to a city. It goes to business. It goes to family. Mm-hmm. But it starts with an individual being right with right. the Lord. When you're right with the Lord, it's amazing. It's like throwing that pebble in the pond, and it goes throughout society to family, to church, right. to community, right. to the city, to the country. Well, and where it said, he who waters will be watered again, you got to, I mean, it's just like you talked about planting. You got to plant to reap and you've got to harvest or the reap, the the reapage, if you will, spoils. If you just leave cotton out in the field, it's not going to do anybody any good. So, Hey, I want to get to the end here. Okay. Verse, uh, you just got to verse 30. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. And he who wins souls is wise. That is a climax of, notice, the fruit of the righteous. And We're talking about the righteous person. We're talking about the farmer. We're talking about the businessman. We're talking about the government worker. Mm-hmm. The fruit, that which you produce of the righteous is a tree of life. Jim, it brings life to our lives and to the family and society. And you know how I feel about the tree of life. I've heard it before. <laughs> I love it. That's the reason I thought about it. You oh, better get it in real quick. The, the tree of life is found in Genesis and then found again in Revelation. From front to start. And man is giving access at the beginning, and he messed it up. But at the end, for those who have come through and God has rewarded them, they have access to it once again. The tree of life. Believe Hallelujah. The word, is, the word is the word is the word. And we're exploring it here on American Family Radio, taking your calls next at 888-589-8840. 888-589-8840 as Exploring the Word continues on American Family Radio. AFR programming is now available on Alexa. You're joking, right? Nope, not joking. Seriously? Yep, this is not a drill. Wait a minute. No way. There's a way. The Alexa way. So if you just happen to miss your favorite shows, no worries. You can now listen to each podcast with Alexa. It's simple and it's free. Just visit AFR.net forward slash apps and click Alexa. We're not joking. In honor of the grand opening of the Don Wildman Center for Cultural Transformation on February 1st, AFA will re-release The God Who Speaks on our new streaming platform and in a special limited edition DVD set. The God Who Speaks, tracing evidence for the Bible's inspiration and authority, was originally released in 2018. This special set includes features like two hours of new footage and a Sunday school curriculum. Learn more at thegodwhospeaks.org. I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. What are gates? They are defensive tools used to keep stuff out, to keep an advancing force at bay. Too often, the enemy is successful in putting Christians on defense. When the facts are, the Lord established his church as an aggressive, offensive, territory-taking body. The Lord never meant for us to sit on the sidelines of life or to cower in the corner as a result of the wickedness in our culture. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. 
the light of the world cannot be contained. The Lord is building his church, and the manby-pamby gates of hell shall not prevail against us. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. This is Dr. Stephen Rummage with a minute in God's Word to help you keep moving forward. In Psalm 32, verse 8, God says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. I have a friend who spent his life as a teacher, and he told me about a student who paid him a visit one afternoon. My friend was known as a tough instructor, and students were always coming to complain about how hard the course was. But this student didn't come to ask for easier assignments. Instead, he said, don't stop pushing us. We know you see something great in us that we just can't see yet. Well, our God is the greatest teacher. He works constantly to instruct you. You may not always enjoy the assignments he gives you, but his eye is on you and he works in every circumstance to make his vision for your life a reality as you follow Jesus. For more resources, visit movingforwardradio.org. Join me every Sunday morning at 8.30 Central for Moving Forward right here on AFR. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. Jesus is Man, I could. I wish I could still <laughs> sing bass like that. I wish I could sing plural. I mean, you know, that'd be awesome. I love it. Hey, I, I, it doesn't keep me from enjoying it, Jim. No, I love it, man. No, I absolutely. love this bumper music we have. I just get carried away, kind of. Hey, we got any callers? We've got a few. Let's start with Steve calling from Arkansas. Steve, good afternoon, and welcome to Exploring the Word. Uh, good afternoon. So I, I like to explore things. Uh, I was explaining, I, uh, yeah, I've always loved the book of Proverbs. I, I've memorized chapter 10 through chapter 30 on the thing like that. So uh, the question that I, would, uh, that I was going to ask is this. Have you ever had a discussion with the woman in your church on, on uh, is it better to dwell on the corner of the housetop than with the brawling woman and in a wide house? <laughs> all, all I know is Peter went upstairs to eat. <laughs> Steve, let me tell you. That's the last thing you bring up in the book of Proverbs. You bring up uh, Proverbs 31 first about a virtuous woman. But it, it what what it is, it is talking about anybody. It warns you against the men that are mm-hmm. unscrupulous, but it also it talks about the individual. Uh, but, uh, yeah, when you're going through the pro- book of Proverbs, you can go in verse by verse, and you get to that verse. Uh, Steve, it's still in there. It's still in there. Right. But you may read it and go on quickly. So I, I don't know, Steve. I, I, we should have reversed it on Steve and asked him That's if right. he's done That's that. That's right. You know? Thank and you, it, Steve. If he has the knot on his head to show it. Yeah. Hey, we, we've got lines open in that number, 888-589-8840, 888-589-8840. Jim and I would love to talk to you. Norman from Texas, good afternoon, and welcome to Exploring the Word. Uh, yeah, y'all were talking on Tree of Life a while ago. I wrote, uh, you know, uh, I, I heard everybody, you know, lots of times I hear preachers preaching on the tree of the, uh, good and evil, but I've never heard one preach on the tree of life. And I, and I said that, uh, you know, and the Holy Ghost says, well, why don't you write one? Well, I did. I did a study on it and everything, and I, and I got it wrote all down, but, uh, you know, I haven't got it typed up all the way up yet. 
But uh, once I get it typed up, I was wondering if y'all wanted a copy of it, and I could send it to you in the uh, mail. But I, I'm blind, so I can't send it to you. Uh, you know, I can't do any computer work or emails or anything like. We'd that. be happy for you to send it to us. Uh, that is American Family Radio, and you can send it to Bert or my attention. And the PO box is uh, PO box twenty four forty. PO box twenty four forty. Tupelo, Mississippi, and just in case, I, I know you're from Texas and you're smart, but just in case, T-U-P-E-L-O, uh, 38803. And Marty, we're going to put you on hold, and Marty's going to go over that address with you again. All right, folks, the number this afternoon is 888-589-8840. Let's, let's talk a little bit. You're, the Tree of Life, uh, I remember, Jim. Right. Uh, I think you and Norman have that in common that you really did notice that, uh, and you you brought it to my attention. I remember being in your office, and right. we were going over that, and you said, Bert, a lot of folks don't dwell on that, and right. I, that is true. Well, and, you know, it's one of the things there that the Tree of Life and, and of course, the the reason that it was barred was because man ate from the Tree of Good and Evil. And it's one of those things that what would have happened if they had eaten from the tree of life first or if they had eaten from the tree of life immediately thereafter? God in his wisdom put a barricade around the tree of life when he came through the garden that afternoon and had to say, Adam, where are you? Because Adam had hid from the Lord, and that's something that he had not done before. But that he could walk in the cool of the afternoon with God. And think about that. That has become, and that's going to be one of the greatest punishments of hell, is that we will be separated from God forever. We will no longer have that access. But when we go to heaven, for those who know Christ as Savior, and they go to heaven, and then when all comes together, after the wedding feast of the Lamb, and after all that, and we're in heaven for good and forever, then we have access to the tree of life again. Why? Because we've already partaken of the tree of life, who is Jesus Christ. Preach it, brother. Hey, Norman, thank you for that call. Hey, where do we go to next? Well, we're going to talk to Cynthia. She's calling from Alabama this afternoon. Cynthia, welcome to Exploring the Word. Thank you. Yes, ma'am. Question, comment? Uh, Yes, well, I just... Well, when the Bible speaks about the tree of life, uh, the tree of knowledge of good and evil, and the tree of life, isn't that speaking of Christ and uh, Satan? Wow, Cynthia, that's that's yep. a good parallel, but I don't think so because the the trees were separate in the garden, and so Satan deceived Eve, and as Bert said earlier. You know, one of the the greatest things about Satan is he takes a hint of truth and he twists it around. Bert? Well, what you have here, Cynthia, is the tree of knowledge of good and evil. I'm I'm just going to answer it this way. They knew what good was. Mm -hmm. They were experiencing it. They had perfection, and they were in their innocence. You know, Mm -hmm. they, they were in this perfect society, and they were innocent themselves. And partaking of the tree of knowledge of good and evil was, again, the issue. What was the first issue? Pride. Mm -hmm. It will make you as God, Mm -hmm. knowing 
the difference. And so, no, it wasn't representing out of the tree of life and it being of Jesus. Right. Yes, but not the tr- knowledge uh, tree of knowledge of good and evil. They are not parallel with one another. But Satan in that is the deceiver. <clears throat> and that's the whole idea, that he is deceived, and that's what he does. And uh, he, every time you see him operating, he takes a grain of truth and twists it. Right. That's what he does. And uh, so don't be deceived. Don't join the deceiver in being deceived. Right. And the parallel to that is Jesus himself tells us in John, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. And that's very important to notice that. we ha- The only way we can see the Father, the only way we can make it into heaven is through Christ. And so that's why the tree of life and Christ being the life is, is so intertwined there because Jesus himself said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. Hey, Cynthia, thanks for the call this afternoon. We hope that helped. Well, let's talk to Greg calling. Greg, good afternoon, and welcome to Exploring the Word. Thank you. And uh, just a quick question. What do you feel the fruit was on the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? Disobedience. Yeah. I know you're probably looking for an actual fruit. We don't, I don't know. We don't Bart. know what it is. I got a funny. Okay. The problem wasn't the fruit on the tree. It was the pear on the ground. Okay. Uh, Greg, if it, I know that that belongs on Friday morning trivia. I get mixed Bert, up every once in a you while. You cannot say that with my- with, with <laughs> when I've just taken a swallow of water. So we don't know what the fruit was, Greg. Uh, it I don't. It wasn't an apple. That's no. That that's, is a historic, not historical, symbolic right. picture of it. We do not know. Uh, but again, uh, I. A lot of folks look at that and they say, oh, it's symbolic. I Listen, I take it literal uh, as best I can. I take the Word of God the way it is presented. Right. And if I'm wrong one of these days, I'll be wrong. But yeah. taking it as it given, I don't think you go wrong. Right. And I don't think that the, the Holy Spirit in giving out the Word was playing hide-and-seek there. The thing was, it was a fruit. It was pleasing to the eye. Looked like it, so it looked like it'd be good to eat, and then evidently it was tasty because it's not like Eve bit into it and it was sour, so she shared it with Adam. It wasn't now, a Granny Smith apple. I, I don't think that, so. Bert quit. Now, we now here's <laughs> here's the important part about that. Everybody try not everybody. Most people try and blame the garden incident on the woman, but if Abraham, if Adam had been tilling his soil and tilling, taking care of the garden the way he needed to, there wouldn't be a snake out there. So anyway, <laughs> that's just me. Uh, okay. we're, this is Exploring the Word on AFR, and we're going to talk to John calling from Mississippi. John, welcome to Exploring the Word. Hey, guys. Uh, how y'all doing today? Doing well, man. How about you? All right. Just great. Uh, Hey, uh, I was talking to a Christian brother of mine. Uh, uh, we've been knowing each other for years. I could not answer his question. He is stuck on uh, when uh, a person dies without Jesus and goes to hell, uh, that their soul will burn up like 
hey, and stubble and just won't exist anymore. And I tried to explain to him, no, no, you will be apart from God and, and you won't burn up. He he doesn't know which way to go with that. And so is there a scripture? I couldn't find it. He couldn't find it that answers that. Okay. The best thing I know you could do, uh, John, is go to Luke chapter 16 when Jesus tells the story about the rich man and Lazarus. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lazarus dies and is taken to Abraham's bosom by the an angel. It says the rich man buried and in hell he opened his eyes, and it was not annihilation. It was not instruction. He said, I am tormented in this flame, and it was continual because he said, would you send Lazarus and just let him dip the tip of his finger in water and put it on my tongue? So there is a continuation of this torment, Mm -hmm. and it's not total annihilation or destruction. It is torment. The only other place that I know that I— might help is the burning bush that Moses was drawn aside. Right. It was burning, but yet not being consumed. So God has the capacity to have the tormented flame or the fire without it consumed. A good illustration that's the sun. I remember being in school and they were talking about when will the sun run out of fuel? And uh, they've discovered that it through the process, whatever the sun does, it reproduces more fuel for it to burn. Right. Now, I don't know what that's called scientifically or not, but I was amazed when I said that. And I said, well, that sounds a lot like the scriptures when it talks about the flame right. of the burning bush as well. You know, when you think about that, about the sun and how well God placed earth away from it, because if we were too close— and I mean just miles, literally. Now, I know when we get into space, a few miles is considered 10,000. So if we were a little too close, we'd burn up. If we were a little too far away, there'd be a perpetual ice age. So there's, I don't see how people can still say there wasn't an intelligent design behind creation and by when God said that he hung the moon and the stars you know when he talked to and Job he put about him that in place. and he put him in place and he told the moon and the water you know he knew the moon would have an impact on the tides but he told him you can only come this far man yeah gosh when god speaks out of a whirlwind it's time to listen amen amen all right let's let's continue before i get carried away on that sermon cuz i like that part there he tells job to pull up his pants and be amen. ready to give an answer yes i wouldn't have that answer melinda welcome to exploring the word. Hello. Hey, how are you? Doing well. Thank you, uh, Melinda. This is in reference to when you were talking about that you go to someone and they should keep, you know, what they say, what you say to them. I had a situation where someone in authority over me because of a traumatic experience at the time I was going through, I had to share with them so they were aware of what was going on with me. Mm-hmm. But I didn't really want to do it, but they told me, they said, well, we know something's going on, but we've got to know what it is. And so I asked them to promise, because it was so personal, that they would not tell, and he promised me. Well, about two weeks later, while I was still going through this, his wife comes to me and says, I know what's going on. He told me. 
and I was so devastated. Mm. So later on, when I had an opportunity to ask him, why did you tell that? That was so personal to me. He said, I couldn't keep a secret from my wife. Well, that's an excellent point, Melinda. And I was going to say, you know, there have been times that, and, and Bert, the team, I know how, how, trust, how much you trust Jan and how much of a partner she is for you in ministry. And I know how Colette is for me. But there are times that you just have to say, you know, I, I can't really discuss this with you, but please be in prayer for. And so, Melinda, I'm going to let Bert speak to that because he, he's been a pastor in one church for years, and I can only imagine what he's had to walk through. <laughs> I, Melinda, let me just share with you, in a situation like that, uh, give grace to the pastor. Uh, I let me, I'll just share that with you. And hopefully his wife would be as confidential as he, so they could do it together. Uh, it may have been better for him to say to you, now, before you tell me this, uh, I promise you, I, I may share it with my wife, but it'll go no further. That would have been a, a greater way to do it. But sometimes hindsight is twenty twenty. But on, on now, if he had gone out and shared it with a whole group of committee members, uh, that's a whole different matter. But sharing it with his wife, uh, I, in my opinion, Melinda, grace should be given on your part for him. And uh, pray for wisdom for pastors. Uh, I'm speaking as a pastor right now. Those of you that are members, uh, pastors are human. They're just like everyone else in that area. But a lot of responsibility is putting on them. Mm -hmm. And the knowledge that they have of different people, uh, just ask God to give them grace and wisdom on how to handle what they hear. Amen. Folks, this has been Exploring the Word. Jim Stanley in for Alex McFarland with Bert Harper this afternoon. We appreciate you taking time to call us. If you didn't get your question in, send us an email to word at AFR.net. That's word at AFR.net. Tell someone about Jesus and the life-changing message he has today.